Join us now for Education Matters, a weekly look at the real people and real stories in education across North Carolina. Welcome to Education Matters, presented by the Public School Forum of North Carolina. I'm Keith Poston. The history of school desegregation includes many important stories of courageous African-American families and their children who were the first to attend previously whites-only schools. But there's another history that often goes untold, and that's the one about the rich history of education provided by the historically segregated schools. Innovative and creative leaders, many of them born in slavery, created schools that would transform and inspire subsequent generations. This week, during Black History Month, we're going to tell you part of their story through a new initiative Wake County Schools has that aims to chronicle the rich history of Wake's historically segregated schools. Before we tackle our main topics, we open with our headlines, our quick scan of education headlines across North Carolina and the U.S. Last week, we told you about the millions in taxpayer dollars going unspent in the state's private school voucher program. Last Thursday, Senate President Phil Berger said that if money is going unspent, the General Assembly should loosen the rules to allow more dollars to flow to private, mostly religious schools via the Opportunity Scholarship Program. Opponents point out that private voucher schools already enjoy little oversight when it comes to academics, teacher qualifications, and finances. North Carolina should have 2 million 25 to 44-year-olds with high-quality post-secondary degrees or credentials by the year 2030. That's the new goal set by my Future NC Commission, an effort that began a year ago to bring together elected officials, business, education, and community leaders to map out where they believe the state needs to be. Today, just 49% of 25 to 44-year-olds have achieved some form of post-secondary education. The new goal would represent around two-thirds of that group. Finally, State Superintendent Mark Johnson announced his own set of goals he called NC2030 at a private invitation-only event in Raleigh last week. Superintendent Johnson believes his proposals will make North Carolina the best place to learn and the best place to teach. He announced a new marketing campaign with business-backed education reform group Best NC to promote teaching in North Carolina and a new website to help school superintendents search for teachers and principals. The event itself was funded by private donors, including the Wallace Foundation. Remember, you can visit the Public School Forum's website at ncforum.org, click on Education Matters, and read more about each of these headlines, as well as all the other topics that we cover each week. As I said at the top of the show, when we talk about school desegregation, we usually talk about the students who first integrated whites-only schools. But there's another story that is less told, and it's about black excellence and students and teachers and school leaders who made up our community's segregated schools. Wake County Public Schools does not want those stories forgotten, so here to talk about their new initiative called Respecting Our History, Building Our Future, we have two guests. First, we have Dr. Jim Martin. Uh, Dr. Martin is the chair of the Wake County Board of Education, also a professor at NC State University here in Raleigh. Next to him is Mrs. Natalie Perkins. Uh, Ms. Perkins is a former Washington Elementary student and also a former teacher in Wake County Public Schools. So thank you both for being here. Excited to be here. Thank you. All right, well, this is, uh, I read about this project and then I talked to you, Jim, about it. So, um, Tell me about the genesis of it. Sort of where did this idea, why did you as chair of the school board um, want to tackle something like this? 
Well, history is something I've always been fascinated with. And uh, actually, shortly after becoming a member of the Board of Education, I was able to attend a number of events at Washington Elementary where I got to meet and interact with several of the alumni from the then Washington High School, a very inspiring group of folks. And I, that probably is what percolated some of the ideas. When I became chair I, uh, in December, I right away started thinking about what, what might we do for Black History Month. I, I didn't want to just do an activity where we'd bring a choir in to sing and Thank to respect you. history. Right. I um, wanted to see if we couldn't initiate something that would actually build, learn, and tell history. And you know, thinking about that, we bounced some ideas back and forth between myself and Vice Chair Sutton. And uh, this project emerged also having seen the work that the children at Washington Elementary School did uh, in a project last year, working with alumnus Mr. Malone to try to get Washington designated a National Historic Landmark. Which they, they, which they, which successfully, they, they successfully did. did. So I saw that, and uh, you know, Thomas, Thomas Sayers' sculpture, Oberlin Rising, was also an important um, opportunity for me to learn something about Oberlin School that I knew nothing about. And so all of those pieces came together, and I realized that this, the important story that we tell of integration in Wake County, which is an absolutely critical story, has so focused, as you noted at the top of the show, on the black students who integrated the white schools. But what we discovered is that everybody went to the white schools because they had been better resourced. But there was rich education happening in, the segregated, in many of the segregated schools. And that's a history that if we don't document, if we don't tell, is going to get lost. And if we don't know our history, we're not going to have a strong future. Well, and, um, and this is not just um, um, history for you, Ms. Perkins. This, is, this was your life story. You were a Washington elementary student. Washington, what we said, Washington High School was the first school in Raleigh for African-Americans built in 1924 and then later became an elementary school. Right. But tell me, about, I guess, the, the, the idea just even then, this was not that long ago, which is another part that I wanted to have this show about because I think we have to remind people that this just happened in our right. short lifetimes. Mm -hmm. How aware were you, you know, as a, as, a, as a young girl, as a young woman growing up in these, in what was then the black schools and the white schools, sort of about this separation and, and what it was like? Well, I really wasn't that aware of it because when I went to school, I knew even as early as the first time I went that I was getting an excellent education. Um, I don't remember even thinking about what was happening in the other schools because our school offered every single thing, and my mother happened to be a teacher too, um, that I needed. And in fact, I started kindergarten at First Congregational Church, and that was also a part of what Washington became. But the, the thing that impressed me the most was that all of the teachers there were committed, dedicated, and had a lot of expertise and experience. And so I kind of soared when I got there, but coming from kindergarten, I realized that even though my mother said she didn't know if I would ever learn to read because I would not use the same expression that she did while she was trying to teach me. Mm -hmm. But 
the teacher wrote a note and said, Natalie can read. And she was totally shocked. But our uh, kindergarten teacher took us through so many things that even today in kindergarten and first grade classes, we were exposed to all of those things, foundational literacy, you know, there are words um, now, educational terms, uh, differentiation, um, assessing, and all of that, but they did that in their See, own they were way. Doing, they were they doing, were doing personalized that. learning yeah, that's and, what I'm uh, saying, and, and high standards and teaching. High learning. standards, and it was excellence, I'm not saying, mediocrity. To, and this is what, Back to the future. And this is, what you're, this is part of what we just heard Absolutely. is what you wanted to, and you know, it's one of, the, one of the tragedies and sad parts of this is there were so many wonderful um, teachers in these yes. black schools that frankly didn't have anywhere to go after the schools integrated because you know, there were a lot of white parents. They didn't want um, black students in their schools. They certainly didn't want black teachers. And so we, I mean, isn't, I mean, part of the history, I'm assuming that we'll, we'll even uncover more is that we lost a generation of, of teachers. But I do need to say this. Many of the teachers who left Washington went, of course, to Ligon. Mm -hmm. But then when they got ready to um, integrate the schools, those top-notch teachers were asked to go to the previously all-white schools. And I thought that was interesting. Yeah. But they were doing a job. But in fact, one teacher told me that when she first went to an integrated school, that they were giving her students who were um, below grade level and all of that. But then they discovered, after she went to them, that she could teach the higher level ones that she had been teaching at Ligon. And once they found that out, and the students and the parents understood that she could teach any high-level math course, then it just right. became, yes, mm -hmm. you know, everybody right. wanted her. But Jim, I want to I ask you about it. What do you, what do you hope to accomplish? I mean, this is, look, Wake County Schools, I live here, Wake County Schools, frankly gets a little bit of um, heat sometimes from some that feel like that you, that the Wake's folks a lot, Wake, Wake schools focuses a lot on diversity and race issues. Um, I'm sure you've heard this. Um, never. Never, never come up. But, but I mean, why is it important to talk about this? Why is it important to you? Why is it important to Wake County Schools? Well, I think in, in, in the title that we've crafted for this, Respecting Our History, Building Our Future, it's all about our future. Um, if we do not build as a community, we do not build a strong future. I would argue uh, that the, the integration of the Wake County Schools and the Raleigh City Schools back in the 70s is why Wake County is the great place that it is today. It's, it's because we built a community, not an us-them us, place. And you know, when I look at some of the struggles we have to deal with today, we see some of the same kind of segregation happening again. And I really believe that today is a time that we as a community need to make sure that we develop all of Wake County, because if we don't develop all of Wake County, we're not going to have a strong county. It is about our future. Um, just last word from you, um, Ms. Perkins. What, um, what do you hope that this effort does? That it will reveal the excellence of those teachers and the impact not only did it have on the students, but Greater Raleigh, outside Raleigh and even across the country that they made a difference. They really made a difference. 
Well, I, I hope this project makes a difference. We're going to share some more. We've got two more guests coming up who are both alumni of some of these wonderful schools in our history, and we're going to talk to them next. But thank you both for being here. Thank Absolutely. you for having us. So when we come back, we will be joined by two former students of those segregated schools and hear their story. So please stick around. Education Matters is brought to you each week in part by Paragon Bank, serving others, enriching lives. Welcome back to Education Matters. We're going to continue our discussion about the history of segregated schools in North Carolina and particularly here in Wake County. And joining us now are two former students of some of those schools that we were just talking about. We have uh, Deborah Beckwith. She is a former student at uh, both Holly Springs and Apex Consolidated. Um, you also were a teacher's assistant um, here in Wake County Schools. I think you did that for about 12 years. And um, Mary Linda Hall Jordan former Apex Consolidated High School yep. student, and you're currently a uh, juvenile court counselor. So thank you both for being here. Ms. Yes. Um, Beckwith, I want to start with you. One of the reasons why you heard uh, Dr. Martin say that we're, he wants to do this is to document the history. And honestly, I just want to hear some stories from you um, about some of the teachers you had. You, um, because of, that's one thing about, about public schools and public education, regardless of at what period of time there were teachers that made a big difference. So right. tell me about them. Right. I'm going back to Hollis Springs Elementary School because that's where I, be, that's, that was my beginning and there was no kindergarten there. There was just first through eighth grade and I attended that school and I know I did have a favorite teacher. Her name was Mrs. Hunt and her husband was actually the principal there, Professor Hunt, and did when he died and we had another principal there. But Miss Hunt was like a mother to me. She kind of like, in, in embraced me and maybe because from I was from a large family I'm, I'm from one of ten children and uh, she kinda like embraced me and then she had me do her writing and stuff because she said I had a very good handwriting and things like that but she was like a just a mother mother figure she even uh, paid for me to go to summer camp one year and I know not even her I'm sure a lot of the other teachers they took money out of their pockets to buy even clothes and stuff for kids and things like that and we had good teachers at that school. And uh, during that time, uh, I guess the early years, I wasn't aware that there was like the two different schools, but because we were just taken care of and everybody cared about each other, we was like family, everybody, even other parents would take care of you and if you did something wrong they would correct you and then they would tell your parent then when you get home you'll be in more trouble. Well, that's what I said. We were talking before we <laughs> yes. started shooting. I said, you know, back then yes. I know when I was in elementary school, if I got in trouble at school, I got in trouble at home. It wasn't yes, a, there wasn't any question about that. Right. That's one of the things I wanted to get across about these teachers because I hear I mean of course there's the ac there's the academic excellence and they were preparing. But it was about the relationships um, that the teachers have with the students. Tell me about your, some of your experiences. Okay. Um, basically, the, I was at Apex Consolidated for, from the very, begin, very beginning. And um, one of the biggest things I remember is when my father passed 
and one and school teachers came to our house and it was so shock it was shocking first of all but um, my mom expected it and I know recently I had a child that was on my caseload whose mother passed away and I went to her um, funeral and I was so surprised that there were no none of her teachers or her no one no one from her school was there and when I mentioned it it was it was like what do you mean they're not supposed to be here <laughs> but the teachers were the kind of people that uplifted us uh, holidays I had a teacher once that made me believe that I could sing Miss <laughs> Williams used to tell me that I could sing and she would encourage me to sing I know now that I cannot sing <laughs> but it doesn't matter because when Miss Williams but she, said, but she believed in you so absolutely you yes so <laughs> I sang in a uh, school play and uh, I did a solo so I guess I did okay, I'm not sure, but <laughs> I believe I did because Miss Williams said that I could. Now, we, you were showing me some pictures, and I wanted to ask, we, we, when we were talking earlier, like, I mean, how aware were you of the, like, any, about any differences about what was going on? I mean, I mean Dr. Martin mentioned, I mean, it's, look, we, we just know historically that the, the, uh, the, the segregated black schools were, were less resourced. I mean, was that something that you would have, that you noticed looking back? I mean, did you, did you could you tell? Yeah. I, I do. I mean, I could notice it because I know we got secondhand books, and I know when we would get the books, we had books given out to you at the beginning of the school year, and there would be other kids' name in those books, and we had to erase their names out, and we wondered, where did these books come from? Where are these used books? And then we were told we were getting the books from the white schools. Those are the books that we received. They was all used, and some of them had torn pages and, and written all in, and so we was aware, but... I don't think we was neglected because of the teachers. They put right. so much pride in what you did and they encourage us to do the best you can do. And so we still got that love that I don't think that the teachers, that the kids get into schools now. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's the closeness like the family that we had back then. And did, I think we're missing that. Did you, um, I mean, you're, you're obviously both familiar with sort of, I, I, you know, what's going on in the schools now and what's, what's being taught. I mean, did, I mean, what was the curriculum like? You talked about singing. I mean, was it, I mean, you know, sort of what, what were you taught? Like, what were the kind of classes? I mean, was it, was it very similar to what we think about now, reading and writing and arithmetic? And I think, yeah, I think it was. You know, we had um, math teachers, math classes, reading classes. Um, geometry, history classes, which was my favorite, and um, but we had the extracurricular activities also, although we didn't refer to them as that. They were just part of the education that we were receiving, and we learned so much. We put on plays, we created posters, and we uh, we used our imagination a lot mm -hmm. because we had to create stories based on the history, uh, uh, the math that we were working on at that particular time. And no one was left behind. Mm -hmm. No one was separated as, that I know of, separated as, you know, the AG. Oh, so like all, the, the tracking like we call right. now. Yeah. Everybody right. was, was being right. taught right. To, to lift everyone up. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, I, just on, from a historical perspective, I mean, I guess sort of what was the context of going, like when you were in high school, sort of where were we in this, in sort of the civil rights 
struggle? My, my, uh, my class was the last graduating class before they uh, integrated all of the schools, which was class of 1970. And then after 70, that's fall of 70, all the schools had to integrate. And during that time, uh, there was classes that was offered at the white school that some of the whites, some of our black kids went over to the white high school to go. And that was like in 60, that would have been 68, 69 years that they could go take those classes. So there was classes that we didn't have that was not offered to us at our school. They were just like across the street, well, about a mile down the road where there was a white school. And uh, we also just had one foreign language. And then, and those are some of the classes you could get those extra classes at the white school that they didn't offer at our school. And I think that was the very beginning during the high school years when we know that we didn't have, they had a lot of things to offer their kids that we didn't have at our school. So that, that was kind of like a slap in the face then. I guess as you got older. Yeah. But during those younger years, you know, we, we, we didn't feel that. Well, I mean, but, it's kind of like you said, it's real like family. I mean, sometimes right. a lot of us have things going on in our families when we're little, and then we realize later right. that our, our parents were kind of protecting Protect us from yes. things. Yes. You showed me some pictures, but I mean, some things were, things were changing. You mentioned mm -hmm. the parade. Um, again, you were at um, Apex Consolidated. Well, for years in, in Apex, we weren't allowed to participate in the Christmas parade that actually went through downtown Apex. So, we actually had a Christmas parade in front of the um, school, Apex Consolidated High School. It was like, you know, buildings, and then there was the street road, as we called it. And we, our parade, that was what our was parade, it parade. was very, it was short because the road was short, <laughs> but we had the Santa Claus, we had um, our majorettes, and we had the band. We had what pretty much whatever uh, a parade consisted of. And we were ecstatic. Um, now, what year, do you remember about what year that was, the first time that, uh, mm. that your school was invited to participate? Um, I'm thinking this was probably 68. Right. I think this was right. about 68. Well, well, these stories are really important, and that's why we wanted to have you on. Um, we really appreciate you sharing them uh, with us, and we appreciate what Wake County Schools is doing to help yes, document it. So, absolutely. absolutely. appreciate that. But th yes, thank you so much for being here, both of you. Thank you. After the break, this week's final word. There's a blogger on Twitter who regularly refers to me personally as race-obsessed. Now, now, Twitter is not the best place for nuanced and informed conversation, so I would like to use this platform to address her concern. First, I don't believe I am obsessed about race. I do acknowledge that I have been on a journey to a deeper understanding about issues of race. My daily work in public education exposes me to some hard truths. Last week, for example, I was in Jacksonville, Florida, and I had a chance to meet some amazing young black men. I actually have a, a picture of them right here that we're going to show on the screen. They started a program at their high school called EVAC. It's cave spelled backwards. It's based on Plato's allegory of a cave where people are trapped and they must be led out by someone to truth and light. Now, these young men are trying to lead other young black men out of hopelessness in a city, Jacksonville, that has been identified as one of the most dangerous places in America to be young, male, and black. I should also point out uh, they started this program at their school that's named Robert E. Lee High School. Now look at that picture again. You see the sweatshirts? They read, I am not a gang member. 
Now, their message is not to judge others based on their clothes, their hair, or their skin color. I'm inspired by these young men who are determined to make a difference. And I want to make a difference, too, by shining a light on efforts like theirs and like the effort here in Wake County in the spirit of changing the conversation and changing outcomes for the better. So that's my obsession. Now, that's it for this week's show. Please come and tune in next week where we're going to have Superintendent Mark Johnson on for the full show. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you next week.